Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Paradox. I'm Jimmy. You kind of scared me. Who are you? I'm Josh. We can't go on until you identify yourself. I didn't think you, you were... could be like a homeless man that just wandered in the room. I thought you were going to start with something else. Oh. I should have. I did a little riff. We call it in the business, we call it a riff. Do we call it that? I, I, of, of all of the Hamilton lyrics that I've memorized, I did a little riff. Why don't you go for it? I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it'd be so good. You totally want to. I would so want to. Welcome, everybody. No, seriously, really? You're not going to do it? Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, I got you. They would have to pay me $1,200 a ticket. Yeah. Before they could listen to me rap. About Alexander Hamilton. Even though I have some of your riff on recording, and we could just insert it. <laughs> Billy, yeah, do that. That three, will not happen. Two, no, one, no. Insert. La, 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 la. <laughs> okay, everybody. Okay. Speaking of shame, today we're going to be talking about shame-based parenting. Now, you hear that and you go, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me. Trust me when I say most all of us at some point, sometime, somewhere, use shame as a parenting tool, as a discipline tool, trying to get them to understand, let them see the big picture. Oddly enough, even though I'm going to throw out some examples that are just sort of ugh, horrendous, keep in mind, have your, have your brain open to, gosh, how is it that sometimes this could be a part of how I interact with my children? As a model, we've actually been covertly modeling this shame-based parenting for this entire year of our three seasons when Jimbo body shames me. That that shirt is a little tight. Did you notice? <laughs> See, I was going to say something when you walked in. Yeah. Uh, so that's just an example. <laughs> of shame-based parenting. Making fun of your child's body. There you go. <laughs> I may have shared this before, but there was a, it just stays in my head. This mom who had a 13-year-old daughter, the, the little friend came over. Her mom brought her over. They were going to go to the mall. And she did not like the way the daughter was dressed. And so the mom said, uh, hey, are you going to pick up your John on the street? Or are you going to meet him at the hotel? Yowzes. Thinking, oh, I've used sarcasm. I've interjected a little levity into the situation as opposed to just saying, I think what you're wearing is inappropriate. What her daughter heard was her mother call her a prostitute in front of her friend. I had another mom that told her son, you have no idea how much easier life was before you got here. Hmm. Dads that have called their sons losers. Albeit true. That they're losers? Know that life is easier before children. Yeah, we're not talking the validity of these statements. We're <laughs> just saying. So in our anger, in our frustration, there are times that we lash out. We lash out at our spouses sometimes. 
and we regret what we've said. And there are times that we will lash out with our children. Now, some people, shame is a much more regular part of their parenting vernacular. They use it all the time. It's the old, you know, the Jewish mother thing of, oy vey, what am I? Chop liver. You don't call your mother. I mean, it's just some people use shame all the time. You know, how does that make me feel when you do that? Instead of it was just a it was just a bad choice. We've got to say you hurt me personally when you did that. You should feel horrible about yourself and now change your behavior. So shame comes in fits and spurts, or it can just be a regular part of what we do and how we do it. The problem with shame based anything is that it doesn't necessarily motivate for long. No, you might get what you're desiring from your child or even your spouse, initially, but all you're really building in that other person is resentment towards you. Mm-hmm. And and so it's actually a demotivator Yes, uh, in the long term. Yes. You, you, you haven't called me in two weeks. Why haven't you, you know, college students, why haven't you called me? And it's like, well, now I don't want to call yeah, you Yeah, now I'm never going to call you. What it, so it really does, it, back, it does the exact opposite to your point of what we think it would do. I'm watching the Law & Order Menendez on TV. Awesome. It sounds like that dad was very shame-based. Not only was he sexually abusive, but yeah, he was just very hard on the boys. Mm -hmm. And it ended in a murder. (laughs) Let that be a lesson. (laughs) I think the moral of our story is if you have any shotguns in the house, the the shame-based parenting might come back to quite literally bite you in the buttocks. Um, We shouldn't be laughing. (laughs) You're right, we shouldn't. We're professionals. Sorry, a couple of things I wanted to mention about shame. And, and again, this tem- stems from family of origin. We've talked about this before, but I want to touch on it because sarcasm is a very systemic way in which we interject shame. The completely and totally fabricated tongue-in-cheek comments about your weight. Is it completely fabricated? Honey, it is 67% fabricated. <laughs> you should know that. Sarcasm can be endearing. Sarcasm can be very, very cutting. The mom who says, are you going to, you know, are you going to meet your John at the hotel? Sarcasm can be devastating and very hurtful and very shame inducing. So it, but that is a family of origin issue. Most people who are really sarcastic grew up in homes that were very sarcastic. We have to examine, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, we have to examine our families of origin. Before we get into the solutions of of how not to use shame, we have to understand that guilt and shame are two completely different things. One is good and one is bad. Guilt is actually a good thing. I do something wrong. I realize what I did was wrong. The guilt that I feel, the bad that I feel about what I've done makes me want to do it differently. Shame is I'm a horrible, miserable, rotten human being because of what I did. So that's the way we feel guilt and shame. How we feel guilt is a good thing. It's a motivator. How we feel shame. It's a demotivator. It's a demotivator. And it pushes us away from God. Guilt, Guilt is like conviction of the Holy Spirit. It draws us back to God. Boy, did I do something wrong. Please forgive me. Restore me. Shame is I want to go and shut the door and lock it 
and separate myself out. I would also say that that shame-based parenting brings about self-esteem issues within your kid. And subsequently, when a child has self-esteem issues, they're more apt to risky behavior. Mm-hmm. And while you can't... Uh, a child, you know, is participating in r- risky behavior. Obviously, they have responsibility in making those decisions, but you're certainly fostering an environment with which it lends them to making those negative decisions. And so it really can have a pretty hardcore negative trickle-down effect to your children. That question. And not only does inflicting shame, and I'll just use that word for what we do to our kids— because by the way, I'm a firm believer that shame is taught. I'm not sure shame is a natural occurrence. I think guilt is a natural, especially if, you know, because we all have a moral core. Do you want me to argue with you? No. Okay. But I think shame possibly is taught. And so it leads to not only poor self-worth, but it leads to depression in a child. It leads to a lack of attachment a lack of secure attachment because shame can be so painful and so hurtful and it's used like a weapon against a child, then the child learns not to trust the parent, not to lean on and always count on the parent for emotional support. Therefore, the attachment doesn't happen when they're young. Also, one thing real quick, kind of back to the the guilt and the shame thing, Gottman talks about, John Gottman, who's kind of the guru of marriage therapy in America, He made the distinction between complaining and criticism. And I think that's a a good way for parents to look at how we interact with our children. You know, he says, complain all day long, complain about a behavior. But criticism is a blanket overall condemnation of someone as a person. You idiot. That's a criticism. How many times are you going to not take out the trash before the trash men get here? Okay, I'm complaining about a behavior. I'm not even talking about you as a human being. And so as parents, we need to keep the same thing in mind as what we're saying and how we're saying it. Are we attacking our children as a person or are we complaining about a behavior? It's almost like, you know, when our kids don't hear us complain, it's almost like we try to up the ante. Surely. If I call them an idiot, yeah. they'll hear me and understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, it has the opposite. It's just like anger. You know, criticism actually has them turn down their hearing mm-hmm. <laughs> towards you. You know, it has them actually not listen to you rather than listen to you more. So it certainly has the opposite effect. And to that very point, you know, we we, we always talk about Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. And how if we spank a child, for example... And we spank them too often, it, it loses any effectiveness. You know, so I, I'm a, I think spanking is appropriate when the kids are young. Uh, and, of course, it's appropriate spanking and all that. I'm not talking about abuse, but swatting a rear end. As long as it's the, the nuclear option, it's the thing that lays at the end of the road that is so horrible it's not even contemplated. So when you ever do sparingly use it, it's, it's effective as a deterrent that a child really doesn't like it. It's sort of the same way if we use shame a lot and and we're always criticizing who they are, to your point, they just turn it off. It becomes ineffective. But I'm saying that even if you use shame sparingly, it's ineffective. But especially if we use any what we think is a discipline technique 
And if we use it too often, it doesn't, it just, it just beads up and rolls off. So talking about the solution, what solutions do you have, Joshua Michael? I think it starts with the one thing no one really likes to do, and it's a little bit of introspection. Ouch. You got to ask why you do it. I forget the guest recently that said this, so please feel free to attribute it to me, but they said, inappropriately so, so much of parenting is acting out your own insecurities on your kids. Ooh, preach it. I just did. That's oh, that's it. That's, that is you preaching. Yeah, that's my... That was good. Yeah, that's my preaching. Well, you brought it home. Uh, <laughs> so you got to ask why you're doing it, and it's going to lie somewhere right around that fact that you're acting out your own insecurities on your kid, your own sense of powerlessness your own sense of uh, possibly deep down shame from your, you know, you talk about your generational stuff, your own family of origin. And so it's incredibly important to work through your junk before you pass it on to your kids. And how you work through it is you call the Timothy Center. Yes. And with with a valid credit card. (laughs) Lead with the credit card. Yeah. In fact, don't even call us. Just fax in a credit card. <laughs> no, but seriously. No, you really, I, I don't care if it's a professional counselor, but it's a pastor, it's a friend, someone that has an objective view of you that knows you well enough, that you have rapport enough with, that can speak truth to you. And then it's about accepting it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's allowing, God, you can't really, you don't have time to get into all of it, but it's it's... Not allowing your past to affect you, to affect your present and your future, it's accepting and it's saying, you know, my junk is in the past. This is now new, yeah. And my kid is here now, and I want to make sure he has no baggage heading into adulthood. Um, and so I'm going to lovingly correct instead of trying to shame him into proper behavior. So, asking yourself why you do it, and it's going to come a, it's going to come closely to somewhere around your insecurities. You also have to take negative emotion out of it. I firmly believe that there is a such thing as righteous anger, and it is appropriate for your kids to feel your negative emotions when they make an inappropriate decision. But 99% of the time, we can't do that in a healthy way. So for the most part, you want to remove your negative emotions from it because it, it really can lead to this shame-based parenting. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, if your kid does something incorrectly, he does something wrong, before you approach him or her, talk to somebody, Uh, be it a spouse or maybe a good friend, say, hey, here's the deal. Here's kind of why I'm feeling about it. Here's what I'm thinking as far as the punishment. Just you verbalizing and getting it out in the air will take a lot of the powerful emotions away from it. And then when you sit down after school and actually have the consequence conversation, you're less apt to bring negative emotions to it and actually shame them. So there's got to be some sort of buffer conversation between you hearing the news of the negative behavior and you bring in the consequence. And that buffer conversation can be really helpful. Joshua, those were three very good points. It's almost like I do this for a living. Well, I was just surprised by it. Because normally, <laughs> you know, they're not so that Those. Yeah. Nailed it. I would agree. You know, I, and again, I, the reason I think they are so good, because they so come so close to my three. Not only do we need introspection, we need foo Introspection. <laughs> we not only not only do we need to look inside of ourselves, we need to to really look at our family of origin, because we do tend 
to parent the way we were parented. Our parents impact us. Uh, I think we've talked about this, but, but three different ways primarily. We look at them and we t- intentionally choose to emulate a part of who they are and how they do things. Or we look at them and say, okay, we're going to do the exact opposite of that. We will not do that or be that. The third is, and maybe the most influential is, the aspect of how our parents parented us that just oozed by osmosis into us. And we don't even know it's there until, and I think maybe all parents at some point have had this feeling of, oh my gosh, I just, I just became my mother or I just channeled my father uh, in the way I handled this or the way I said that. So it's a way of looking at your family of origin. Were you raised with shame? If you were, there's probably an 80% chance that you're using shame in the way you parent. So know that that's where it came from and work to break, the intentionally work to break that cycle. Again, to your point, for us to be able to look inside and take that time, because again, remember, our, our first response is our worst response. That's when we're arguing with our spouse, when we're dealing with discipline. Our goal as a parent is to be dispassionate in the discipline process. If you're dispassionate, you're probably not dumping shame. Shame is a byproduct of the adrenaline coursing through your vein, which is why we will say things that we hate ourselves for having said, because we were speaking not through the Holy Spirit or even with a serotonin-drenched brain, but with an adrenaline-drenched brain. So keeping in mind that our first response is our worst response, we've got to get the adrenaline out of the room. And we've always espoused in here, you say, go talk to somebody. Again, it's just not handling it immediately. I don't know how many times we can say this, get your butt over here, right? That is the worst way to handle anything. No, 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 young man, we are doing this right now. No, 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 not right now. Right now is the worst possible moment to handle this. The kid's jacked up on adrenaline. You're jacked up. There's nothing good, really, other than you feeling powerful and being able to punish the child is going to happen in that environment. So you separate out. And for the parent, you pray about being an instrument in God's hands to bring about reconciliation in that child's life. And if you separate yourself, let the adrenaline go away, pray that God will use you and speak through you, I can guarantee you. Shame is not going to come flowing yeah. from your lips. Yeah. Before, uh, that was good. No, not your part, just the overall episode. Oh. So uh, it, it kind of transcended mine. It, it picked mine up. Mm-hmm. So since you won't rap Hamilton, if you would please say adrenaline-drenched brain 10 times fast. You can't do it. But could I be real a second? For just a millisecond? <laughs> Put down my guard and tell the people how I feel. I mean, I, I'm not going to do it. Oh, yeah. You're getting rolling. I'm not going to do it. getting rolling. Woo. I almost went there. I just went, I just assumed George Washington. I did. He 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 he, he possessed me. If yeah. you want more information about this show, if anything ran tr- rung true for you, you can click on the episode tab, find the shame-based parenting episode, and then we'll have three or four more steps for you to kind of think through and enact. If you want to follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, as well as myself or Doc Jimmy Myers at those three platforms, you can find that information at paradoxpodcast.com as well. 
We actually had two people give to us on we, Patreon. We did? Yeah. Isn't that great? Why didn't you say you took all that money? <laughs> you lined your pocket. And Billy, our producer, said, you guys are the worst people to ask for money. Oh. Because yes, we... I was told that. We feel very shameful about it. Yes. So I've been binge watching Benny Hinn. And no, and I even mispronounced it. I said, kept saying patron. It's Patreon. Patreon? Yeah. And anyway, it's patreon.com backslash paradox. If you want to give to the show, it can be a one-time thing or it can be a monthly subscription. We appreciate you guys listening. The more you give, the less shameful Josh feels about his body. <laughs> As always, y'all rate the show and share it. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. You were quoted on ESPN.com as saying, Every parent has asked themselves, do I love football more than I love my child? Hmm. And yeah. a lot of parents would almost take offense to that. You know, their parents played football, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, everyone's been fine. And now you're equating me allowing my child to play a sport that all family has played forever and ever and ever, and you're basically accusing me of child abuse. Okay. How do you, how do you answer that, parent? Okay. Let's go to the Bible. The letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4. He tells us that we should not embed ourselves in the ways of the world, in the ways of the past. That we must most gladly give up the old self with the renewal of our minds, embrace the new self in the holiness and righteousness of the truth. First letter of John, chapter 1, tells us that we, as we become reborn, should give up the darkness of the past and embrace the light of knowledge and the light of the future.